What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 85 of One Before I Die. We have made it to May, and finally the Sabre season is coming to an end. To be honest, I am just about done with this this team, this season. Um, it's good to put this in the rear view here in a little bit. So the Sabre season obviously coming to an end. Also, the NFL draft uh, happened this past weekend, obviously. So the Bills had a bunch of picks, had a total of eight picks in that draft, I believe. We'll recap that, give our thoughts on on uh, how, the, how we think the Bills uh, fared over the weekend in the NFL draft. Uh, Josh Allen, Tremaine Edmonds, their fifth-year's options picked up. Those young guys will see, uh, you know, what the Bills decide to do with them moving forward. Do they extend them midseason, all that, all that good stuff. And um, also this past week, Ryan Miller, Millsy, all-time legend for the Sabres. Uh, decided to hang him up. He's retiring after this season. So we'll talk to we'll talk about Millsy a little bit. Um, obviously, a great, great, great Saber came up through the Sabers uh, organization through the Amherst and everything. So he he'll always be a Buffalo legend. But without further ado, let's get right into it. Ethan, how you doing over there on this fine Monday? Good. Um, <clears throat> no complaints. I thought you know enjoy, enjoyed the draft. I'm still hanging on to the Sabers a little bit longer than you. I know we were talking. I'm I have the game on. They're 2-2 late in the third here. You said you're kind of done with it. I don't um, even have the game on. I'm watching yeah. this. No, I, I know. I, I, I just, you know, I still like watching this team play. I'm done. I'm definitely done with this season, but I like I like the team that we have right now. I think they show a lot of effort, so I'm still supporting them. So, actually, I, I know I said that I don't really want to talk too much Sabres right now, but, you know, now that we brought it up real quick, I, I guess I'll pose the question um, – and, you know, I'm still a Sabres guy, so might as well talk about him a little bit while we have, like, what, five more games here left in the season. But um, I guess I'll repose the question now after the season's pretty much wrapped up here. Like, now do you think we move on from Don Granado after the way the season kind of kind of came down to the wire here? And, and I don't know, it's kind of seemed like we were all on a little bit of a heater and it kind of cooled down and we kind of came back to, to our level of, uh, you know, the way we play, not playing very well, all that kind of stuff is – is it over for Donnie Meatballs in your mind now, or, or are you still hanging on to him? No, I don't think, I don't think it's over for him. Um, I don't think he solidified himself as the guy, though. Um, you kind of nailed it right there. They, they kind of p- picked up some steam, cooled off. I know, like, the Bruins kind of waxed him a couple of times. Um, so, 
I think he's like in the mix for for the coaching job. And if he's the coach next year, I won't be upset. Um, I'll actually, I, I I'll be excited for it. I'll be excited for a full season of Don Granado. It, you know, with a healthy, with a healthy Eichel, you know, I, I think, I think it'll be fine. Um, really? I, I just don't see how you can be excited for just no change after the season. Well, I, I think, I think there will be change, but I think that if you give Don Granado this team from the jump, we don't go down the whole rabbit hole of where they are. If you give them a healthy Jack Eichel, you give them, um, you know, the roster that we thought we were going to have at the beginning of the season, I think this season would have went along differently. Would I, would they have made the playoffs? Probably not, but I still think that there's a lot of work to do this off season. Right. I, you know, I think regardless of who the coach is, yeah. Risto just scored. That was a live reaction <laughs> by me right there. Sabres up three to two, four minutes to go in the third. Um, I think if you give him Donnie meatballs, yeah, that's just Donnie Meatballs. That's me. You know, he's backing me up. He's like, I hear you on the podcast right now. You're live, and you're telling me that you, I got a shot here. And then he just puts one in the back of that for me. Oh, Reinhardt with a nice deflection. All right, so my my take here is, regardless of who the coach is, they're going to need to make some changes. They're not making the playoffs if you just bring Eichel back. You bring McCabe back. McCabe, you know, McCabe might not even come back. He's a free agent. But like, let's say if you bring Eichel back. You have this team here. If it's Don Granado, if it's uh, Gallant, if it's Boudreaux, if it's anybody else, they're not, they're still not going to make the playoffs in my opinion. So you still need to get new players in there. Um, but I think, I think Granado's right in the mix to be honest with you too. Cause like, I don't know. I don't know enough about like who's out there other than those two guys that just rattled off there, Gallant and Boudreaux. And I know those are like the two hot names in my opinion. I know this is different than the question that you asked, but like, I don't think the Sabres can have a shot at either of these guys anyway. So if your question is like Granado or an outside coach, that's not one of those two guys. Like, I think I'd like Granado. I don't know. Like I'm sick of, I'm sick of these like experimental unproven coaches coming in here and we just like mess around with them for a couple of years. And then we're in the same spot. Like, I don't know, give, give Granado. Like he's at least a hockey guy. He's been on the Blackhawks staff. Like give him a shot with a full roster. He, he says that he says the right things. He puts like, he's been putting the lines together. Like I think the best of his ability, like he has, he has the team he has. And I think he's coaching it to the best of his ability and they're playing like a lot better. They like playing for him. It seems like, so I don't know. Like I'd rather have him back there than some other scrub other than those two guys is my take. All right. Well, I mean, I mean, I still disagree. I still don't want Donnie meatballs back behind the bench. I know I texted you. <laughs> is that his new nickname? <laughs> I don't know. I've been seeing that a lot on Twitter. I like it. Um, it one guy here that I had my eye, because I did do like a little look up on my free time the other day. I did just like, you know, top free agent coaches or top coaches that we think will be out there for the season. Because that's the other thing that I forgot about was, you know, coaches are also on deals. So if like Tortorella is a free agent coach this year, if the Blue Jackets don't resign it, like there's other options of, t of coaches that are head coaches in the league right now that teams might not want to, you know, re-up their contract. So it's not just like Gallant and Boudreaux, right? It's these other guys that are coaching yeah, in the I, NHL. Sure. And also I'm just, my point was like, I don't want to do another Ralph Kruger. I don't want to do another. Yeah, well, absolutely not. But that's why you do your, like, that's why we don't go the route of a guy like Kruger who hasn't, who's only coached for like 10 games before the Sabres. And he was like overseas in a soccer. Bar. Yeah. Like 
obviously you don't want to go that route, but I think there's other guys that are been in hockey, like even yeah. just like professional experience, like it, coaching, you know, head coach in the AHL or even stints in the NHL, like more so than what Kruger was. Like Kruger was definitely a kind of like a outlier. Um, but as I was saying, I did like research and see like top free agent coaches, whatever. There's this one guy and I don't remember anything about him to be honest, but when I was reading the little paragraphs in each guy, this guy named John Stevens, and I texted you, I said, keep your eye on John Stevens as a possibility. He's an ex-Amherst coach, isn't he? I don't think so. I think he won a Calder Trophy as an AHL coach, but I don't think it was for the Amherst. Um, but like, like I said, I just went back in the text to see like who the guy was, and for some reason, the the little paragraph they had about him caught my eye, and I liked his experience. So if if anyone wants to look up John Stevens, um, but keep your eye on him because even though I don't have much to say about him right now, I liked what I saw back a couple of weeks ago when I did look him up. I know he did have some NHL experience. I think he was like an assistant coach maybe for the Stars last year. I could be completely wrong, but. It's just another guy that I guess what I'm trying to say is that when I looked up like free agent coaching op- like options, there was more to just Gallant and Boudreaux that I was I could get excited about. And there was these guys out there that had experience in the NHL, whether it was an assistant coach in the AHL, um, even interim head coach kind of type thing. Like there was a lot more guys that maybe brought something to the table that I didn't really even know were out there at first. So. I like to experience those options before kind of rolling out Granado, being an assistant coach behind Kruger and all that, just for some fresh change. And also so much can change in the offseason. Like that's not like like I get the whole like continue like the consistency with Granado, keep him in there, but the offseason's so long and after the season ends, everything kind of is like a wash and you start fresh anyway in a sense. So I don't know. That's why I say I'd rather someone else. But that's a you know conversation for down the line when it actually happens. Um, and it should be exciting as well as all the other stuff that we kind of, you know, hinted at last episode with players on their contracts, trading, all that kind of stuff. It should be an interesting summer. Um, but sticking on the Sabres topic here, I mentioned Ryan Miller did retire this past week or sorry, he's, he's finishing out the season with the Ducks, but he announced he is retiring after this year. And I, I think we just wanted to give him a sh- quick shout out because he was, uh, you know, in my eyes, just a, a Buffalo legend, right? A Buffalo Sabres legend. He played for many years in Buffalo. He is the most most wins of, from an American goaltender of all time. He won the Vesna Trophy back in 2010, I believe, or 2009, one of those years. Mm-hmm. Um, he came up as an Amherst. I know that me and you met him uh, a couple times. You know, I've been right there next to him when he does his ritual behind the bench every every game, you know, when we go down there for Sabres games. And he's just been a guy that will always live on with Sabres fans. And he, he was electric back in the day. Um, and I, I think he's a guy you just got to give a shout out to because he was uh, also a beauty and he, he always, you know, gives shouts out. He always shouts out the city of Buffalo and his time as a saber. He loved it. So that's what I got to say in him. Um, I don't know. What do you got? He, he was just obviously a, a great dude for the Sabres and probably behind, I mean, behind Hashik, one of the best, like the best goalie for the Sabres. I think he's easily the second best goalie in Sabres history. I mean, he's the most, he's the winningest American goaltender of all time. Yeah, um, I, said, I said that. So I mean, like, how do you how do you say he's not the second best goalie in in the Sabres franchise? Would you say would you put up that he might be the best American goalie of all time, or would you have to do some research on that? Do you, do I'd have to really do some. Know? I'd have to do some research on that. But I mean, he's up there. I mean, he look what I mean, he that, did. That fact alone, right? That he's just the most wins of an American well, goalie. Well, and you talk about his like because you talk about if you talk about like nationality, you're you're gonna go into Olympics, right? And you, that naturally 
how it works. I mean, you look at his Olympics performance the year that he won the the Vesna too. He was outstanding. Um, basically, like almost carried USA to a gold. I mean, yeah. Canada's team that year was so much better than uh, the U.S. And he was like the best player in the Olympics by far. Yeah, um, if, the, if the if the U.S. won gold that year, he would have got I don't know what the trophies called or whatever, but he would have for sure got MVP of the tournament. He was 100%. unbelievable. Yeah. And I mean, he's just like a, like a classic face of the Sabres. Like, yeah, I know it's it's Hashik, it's Perot. Like, those are like the 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 studs. But I mean, Ryan Miller, man, he's he's up there like with with the greatest Sabres team of our generation. I mean, he was like the face of that team with Breer and Drury. It was like those three guys were literally like the talk of the league that year. And I mean, he just, he just did it year in and year out. And he was, like you said, he was a homegrown guy. He came up through the Amherst. I remember we watched him, you know, how, you know, we, we, we were like little kids going to the Amherst games and he was playing, you know, saw him get called up to the Sabres. So we kind of grew up with him. Um, like he'll always be, I know that Hashik was like the best goalie of all time, but like, if you, if you like ask me who I think of, when I think of Sabres goalie, Miller's going to be like the guy I think of just because like I grew up with him. He was my guy, you know, he was just, he did it year in and year out. He was captain consistent. Um, and he was, yeah, he, he, we just grew up with him and he's a Sabres legend. He, he's just, uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see. I don't know. Do you think he'll be in the hall of fame? Uh, Again, I'm not too polished on my like Hall of Fame, what it takes to get in kind of guy. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I think it would be I think it would be awesome if he gets in. I I again I'd have to check to see like who's in there, who's not. Yeah, I'd like I'd like to think he gets in just on the fact that he is the most wins of any American. That definitely but, bumps uh, yeah. him up a few notches, probably. But yeah, I know he does have a Vesna, but like not really doing much in the playoffs and no Stanley Cups. I think that's gonna hurt him, obviously, but. Yeah, I was rooting for him when he got trade when we traded him to St. Louis that one year to win the cup. Obviously, it didn't work out for him, and you know, but also we got we can't downplay that even like since he left the Sabers, and I know, like I just said, he didn't win the cup that year with the St. Louis, and then he went on to other teams. I think he was with Vancouver for a little bit. Now he's with the Ducks. Like he's been a very very competent goaltender still throughout to this day. Like he, you know, as a backup, he's been very good. I mean, I would have rather him than Hutton the past two or three years. You know what I mean? Like he's been mm-hmm. still good throughout. So he's done it for a long time. And I love, uh, I think, I, I think the other night too, after the, the Kings, I think played the ducks. Um, it's just classic hockey guys, right? Like after the game, Miller, uh, all the, the whole Kings team came over, lined up and I don't know if you saw the clip, but they were giving them handshakes and everything. It's just typical class out of these guys. Um, and then the last thing on Miller that I just, that, and that just brings, you know, to my mind when we talk about Ryan Miller is just Rick Jennerette Miller. Mm-hmm. Classic call. <laughs> so you got to think, whenever I think of Ryan Miller, I just think of RJ. Like, he's just like, you know, great calls with, with Miller back in the day. Um, so, yeah, absolutely legend. Anyway, that's Ryan Miller. That's Sabres. Moving on to the Buffalo Bills here as the NFL draft happened this past weekend. And the Bills, as I said earlier on, had eight total picks in this draft. Uh, we'll go over these these picks because that's what we do here. What did, what did you think about this draft overall? I, I'm going to be honest. I, after the first couple of days, I phoned it in. Like, I didn't 
I wasn't like watching and uh, the, the, the reason I, mean, I that's how it usually goes. You know so. what I mean? Yeah. Like I saw the first three picks we had. And then after that, I was just on social media, like, okay, we got this guy I've never heard of. Also the other thing before you hop in is I know we talk about like every year, like leading up to the draft and we talk, Oh, we're not like big draft guys. We don't know like college prospects, all that kind of thing. I'm like, I, I found out about myself this past weekend on the, especially the first day of the draft. I found out that like, I, say that I don't care about draft or I don't know anything. And then draft day comes on that first day. Like for whatever reason it is, like I think I'm like Mel Kuyper all of a sudden, like on that day, <laughs> like when like the first round is going on, like I'm, I'm like, wow, it's a terrible pick. But like, I think I texted you and dad. I was like, wow, Arizona, terrible pick. Like I had no idea yeah, who like, that guy was. Yeah. Why did you think that was a bad pick? <laughs> Cause I, it was just like, I get like watching the draft and I think I'm a guru. I'm like, wow. Like that was like, not the guy they were talking about should go there. Um, like I come <laughs> to find out that like, I love day one of the draft. I love all the theatrics, like all the trading and like everything beforehand. I'm like, ah, I don't really care. I don't know anything. And then you put me in that seat, like I throw a couple bets on, like, you know, this guy going over under 16th pick or whatever it is. And I love the theatrics and I think I know everything that's going on <laughs> on that day one, but I don't. <laughs> no, you don't. And that's kind of my take on it. Like we talked about this, we talked about this, you know, for weeks that we're not draft guys. So I don't get yeah, like but the why. Day of, it's like sick. Like, I don't know why. I, I just uh, love it's, it. It's day good, of. but like, I don't get how you're critiquing the Arizona Cardinals pick. Like would they take the linebacker? That was, that was, that was a hip fire. Yeah. I don't know. I, I, I thought really that, I, th I was like, Oh, that's like a good pick. Like they got like, you know, they got Isaiah Simmons last year. They just got JJ Watt. Like their front. I think it was just because nice. that, I think it was just because like, you know, when they do the pre-talk about like, Oh, who do you guys think they're going to take? Like, I don't think that guy was anywhere on the radar. It was kind of the same thing, right? When the Bills made their pick, there was like four or five guys that seemed like were on the radar for the Bills, and you know none of them was were this uh, this Gregory Rousseau guy. So, I mean, if if you want to hop right into that first pick, the you know the one on night one, pick thirty. Yeah, I mean, I I guess so. I'm not a draft guy, obviously, and we talked about this at the beginning that. I was going to be happy with a defensive guy, especially edge, especially I would have liked corner there too. Or even if they went linebacker, like I don't think you could critique Brandon Bean for selecting the wrong position. Like if we went, if we went running back, I think I would have been in a different position here. He took that running back from UNC, not saying he's not going to be good, but I just, you know, it's it's just all about filling needs, and I you know we have a need at the end, and I, Bean you know obviously it's just at this point it's like all right you got to trust in Bean, and I don't know does the guy have like the best like looking like looking into it like looking what the analysts are saying it sounds like you know he he took the season off last year so that's like one thing that's a huge wild card in my opinion mm -hmm. I don't care what you say if, if you're working out the entire year, it doesn't matter. Like, unless you're clanking pads, I feel like there's still some rust there. Um, and it sounded like he didn't, like, test as well physically as he was projected to in the pro day or whatever. But, I mean, the guy's like a unit. He's he's massive. He looks like an athletic freak. He looks like he's fast. I, you know, I don't know. We'll see. And what Bean's doing, right, I mean – he, he get into it and then he, he drafts another DN in the second round. To me, it's just like, he knows that they couldn't rush the passers. So I'm going to go load up on my first two picks and try to get maybe one of these two guys to pan out. 
because yes. he know he he knew that Epinesa maybe like is like further out than he thought he would be. Um, and you know how old Hughes like he's he's looking at this for I think the, in the right lens. Like my weakness is edge rushing. I'm gonna go get two edge rushers. My first two picks. These are the guys that I like there. So I'm gonna go out and take them. And I think you know for me to sit there and be like. Oh, I would rather I get the guy from Georgia or I'd rather have got the guy from Washington. You know, I don't, you know, I can't, I can't say that. I didn't, I watched zero wash, you know, Washington state football games. I watched, you know, zero university of Georgia football games. Well, maybe I watched, but I like, I'm not keying in on their defensive edge. So I just can't sit here and be like, nah, like, I'm not like you. who's like, oh, terrible pick. Like, well, that's, that's me in the moment though. That's not me like removed from it. I know I don't know anything, but I love the theatrics of draft night. Like you can't fault me for just love it. Like getting in the, getting in the trenches. Um, but, but specifically for the first bills pick, um, also about this guy, you know, he can't downplay the fact that he was 15 and a half sacks the year he did play, right? He was second in the country behind Chase Young. So like, that's just something you got, you got, you got to bring up. Yeah. Um, you don't get lucky just getting right. 15 sacks. Yep. So shout out to him for that. Uh, the other thing is it seems like this is a guy that it, the, I think the reason why I was like kind of like a little off put at first by the pick was it. A lot of the analysts said, um, and a lot of the people like talking about it were saying how he's more of like a long-term, which is fine, which is what Brandon Bean's like mindset also going into the draft was like, he came out and said like, I'm picking for the long-term, but it seems like he's like almost more of a project where he's not going to come in and be a dominant force right away. It seems like you kind of have to coach him up. He's very raw is what they're, what they're saying a lot, um, it, you know, that he needs kind of experience in order to be at, at his best. But do you think any of the guys that they would have drafted there wouldn't be like that in, in that situation? No, I don't. I, I'm just saying I think that's what – and, I, again, I don't know. That's what the people were saying more about, you know, this guy than, you know, maybe other guys that we could have went in that direction. So, I mean, looking back, at yeah, like I – I'm happy they went edge. I'm happy they went edge again, to be honest. I know a lot of Bills fans, like including you, like wanted a cornerback kind of like more early on than we got one. I was always in the boat, and I, I know I didn't really say this before the draft or anything or really in the offseason, but I was like, and I still am in the boat of that, I think that like Levi Wallace and Dane Jackson, like we forget about Dane Jackson, like I don't think cornerback was as big of a need as a lot of Bills fans thought it was. Like I was so much more on the edge and linebacker bandwagon than anything. Like that's why I was very happy when, when we went edge again because I was like, dude, we just, I think we lost more games last year and we only lost what three or four, five games. But I think that it was more noticeable when we were struggling, when we couldn't rush the passer more than covering, you know, players and, and, and defensive back breakdowns. Like I think it was a, way more of a glaring issue about like getting a pass rush and, and on the line and linebackers and that type of thing. So I wasn't as much of like concerned about even like getting a cornerback to be honest, like at all, like in the, in the first couple rounds. So that's why I was happy when, why they went, when they went edge uh, first round, second round. So yeah, I mean, looking back on it uh, at first, I was like, I, I don't know about Rousseau, but whatever. I don't, I don't know. And We'll see what he does. I mean, another thing about him, it seems like, like I said, he's not going to be like your pure 
like they were saying, he's not going to be like your pure, just like get around the edge and like make these unreal plays. Like it seems like he's a guy that kind of gets to the backfield and he's like so tall and lanky that like the quarterback just kind of gets suffocated by him and he like tries to escape the pocket. And this guy's just like there because of his arms are like 10 feet long or whatever. But I mean, if he can kind of pan out, if this uh, Boogie Basham was the second round pick, if he can kind of do something, which this guy looked like a little bit more of like an athletic actual rusher, if Epinesa can step it up, if Ed Oliver can get better. I mean, like you said, I like how Bean knows what he needs. He, he's addressing the D-line. That's where the you know games are won and losses are in the trenches. So he went after those guys. Um, yeah, I mean, half the battle in, in this draft, in my opinion, is just getting the right people at the right spots. And, I mean, he, 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 like, you, like we said, he, he addressed the, the, the right spot. Now it's just let's see if he got the right person. Because, I mean, yeah. there was like, like we were talking about, there was probably like three or four guys – that we could have t- take there at edge at pick 30. Cause I mean, two other edge edge rushers went off the board right after it. So yeah. um, we're going to see like, you know, did we get the right guy there? Or did we, did we miss? Um, yep. But yep. yeah, I mean, at this point, like all I can sit there and say is we got an edge rusher. We got two edge rushers. So let's hope at least one of them pans out um, and we do a better job rushing the pass for next year. The only other thing I'll say uh, before I just mention the guys that we drafted in the later rounds, just because just to give them shouts and if we have anything else on them. But the only other thing I say is I kind of did wish that we, it, when that guy, when that linebacker from Notre Dame, again, going into the draft, I, did, I didn't know much about any of these guys, but after the first couple of days, you know, they talked about that JLK guy from, from Notre Dame, that linebacker. It seemed like he should have went a lot earlier than he did. The Browns ended up trading up for him like five or six picks before us. And uh, drafted him. Everyone was saying it was steal. That's something maybe I would have liked being to do if that guy, you know, dropped so far back. Uh, I think that a linebacker like him would have been, if if it's the type of player I'm thinking of, would have been super valuable, especially with Matt Milano and you know his injury concerns, right? Also, a huge issue last year was covering tight ends like Travis Kelsey, like Mark Andrews, like like those guys in the AFC that, that we're going to have to face. And that seemed like a linebacker that could kind of step in. Maybe we can play three linebackers more if we had them. So, I don't know. I was kind of looking for that, too. But, again, I like just those moves on draft day just to get me excited and stuff like that. Um, and I thought the Browns had a good draft. I thought that was an awesome move by them to hop, hop in there. Uh, but other, other than that, the other draft picks that the Bills went with, were and the other thing, Bean like came out and said after the draft, like he was going with best available. Like I, I think he said, you know, we weren't necessarily trying to pick an edge rusher in the second round. It just that guy fell to that position. He thought they thought he was the best, you know, player on the board at that time for a position they needed, and they went in the, in the, and snagged him. And that, that was the same thing that came around with the third round pick, Spencer Brown, who was an offensive tackle. Uh, then they didn't have any fourth-round picks. They had two fifth-round picks. They got this Tommy Doyle, another offensive tackle, and Marquez Stevenson, a wideout. You know that they love getting these wideouts later in the draft, which uh, I always love. You know, it's like kind of like a Gabriel Davis-type move. Uh, next round, they got DeMar Hamlin, safety out of Pittsburgh, who I heard was like Pitt's best player the past couple of years, so can never hurt to get more secondary. Uh, then Rashad Wild Goose, just an unreal name by this guy. And then the last round, Jack Anderson. So, and that Wild Goose was a cornerback, so they did address the cornerback need that a lot of Bills fans wanted them to. And then Jack Anderson, a guard out of Texas Tech. So, a bunch of positions of need, I guess. You know, offensive line and defense. You know, you can't can't be mad about that. But I don't know if you have. They're just on defense. I mean, you look at the draft. Bean just is like, I'm just going to target the trenches, and which I love. Any football guy knows. When in doubt. 
beef the trenches up because that's where games are won and lost. I mean, yep. we could, you know, we had t- trouble running the ball. Let's get some guys that can absolutely crush people running downhill. We had trouble rushing the passer. Let's get some guys that come off the edge and sack the quarterback. So, I mean, is it a sexy draft? For sure not. I mean, we didn't get any of the playmakers. We didn't get any – we didn't get a running back. We didn't – like you said, we just went straight defense and, and offensive line. But, I mean, that's Which is like what we what, need. What you need as a football team when you're – when you have – like we have a bunch of playmakers on offense. We were talking about this before. It's like why we – why we didn't want to trade up for ATN. It's like, well, we have, we just signed Breda. Like Moss was playing really well before he got injured. Let's see what he can do in year two. I'm down to give Singletary a, a, another chance. Like he had a, he just had a down year last year and he's proven that he can be a good running back. Like let's see what the three of those guys could do before we just go mortgage a few, like a couple of draft picks to get a guy that maybe won't even pan out either. So I just think, you know, he, he, he did a perfect job of addressing the positions that like a mature football team should be addressing. Like, I don't care how good you are. Like if you're the chiefs or whatever, and if you're drafting O-line D-line, like that's, that's exactly what you you do to get better. And I, you know, like you can never, those are the guys that always get hurt too. You're, you're always down offensive linemen. I mean, these guys are, you know, getting stepped on, getting their knees rolled over you can never have enough offensive line depth. So getting those couple guys I thought was a really smart move. Um, but I'm not going to sit here and grade like the individual picks and talk about how the guy out of UNI was like a steal in the third round. Like I'm not going to sit there and do that. So, yeah. Another guy I had my eye on was that Barrymore defensive tackle from Alabama. I thought that guy could have been a, a solid pick at 32. I know that you know, I'm big on D tackles. I don't, I still don't know if Starlet Tule come back's the answer. So he was another guy I was eyeing at 30 again, you know, looking back on it, hopefully this Rousseau guy pans out. Hopefully he, you know, you can't overlook the 15 and a half sacks in 2019, right behind Chase Young, who's already dominant in the NFL. Um, just say, you know, just a good conversation to have. There are definitely some other options that maybe I thought we're going to go before him, but it is what it is at this point. Um, without, um, or actually before we move ahead, was there any other like non, you know, non bills related picks that kind of surprised you in the draft or caught you by eye, maybe the AFC East. Cause I, you know, as I bring up this Barrymore defensive tackle from, from Alabama, the Patriots actually traded up and got this guy right in the second round. They, they got Mac Jones with the 15th overall pick. Uh, what else? The Jets obviously getting Zach Wilson. Dolphins yeah. have like a pick every two seconds. It seemed like it seemed like I mean you the, know, the, the AFC is kind of the QBs in the, form in the AFC East is going to be interesting. I mean Josh Allen's the the old guy in the room now. Um, right. So you got Mac Jones and Zach Wilson stepping into the picture. To be honest, I'm not really scared of Mac Jones, and maybe that's going to be a clip that like come back comes back and bites me, but. I was hype when the Bears traded up for Justin Fields because yeah. I would, that's like one guy that I just did not want to see in the AFC East. I was surprised he even fell all the way that he did. I thought he was. <laughs> I think he got Mel- a raw deal, dude. Like, this is Mel Kuyper, Ethan coming in, but I thought he was the second best quarterback. Yeah, I, I did know. too. I did too. I, I always thought he would. I, I thought Justin Fields got a raw deal, man. I, I think he's going to be great. I Like Trey Lance went third overall, right? I don't know anything about that guy. Um, but I don't know. I thought the, I thought the AFC got 
a whole lot better, not even just the AFC East. Like I said, I thought the Browns, you know, the Browns are going to be really good next year. I, I have a feeling. I think they're going to, mm-hmm. they're, they're going to, you know, run the table a little bit. You know, the Ravens are already always in the mix. Um, Steelers are kind of a wild card. Like, I don't know what to think about them. Yeah. They got Najee Harris. Uh, and then, and then I just thought it was a, I mean, I, a lot of people are kind of agreeing, so it's not like a hot take or anything, but I know that, you know, ETN was always in the mix for 30 at the Bills. That was like the hot thing, right? Well, he went to the Jaguars. I thought that was a kind of a very Urban Meyer-esque pick and not a very good one because they already have that James Robinson guy, right, at running back. And I, I don't know. I just thought that was a, a wild one, but it kind of took him out of the running for the Bills at least uh, at their 30th, 30th pick that I know a lot of people wanted him there. Um, but – Speaking of Josh Allen in the in the AFC East here, old guy in the old guy in the division now. All of a sudden, the Bills did pick up his fifth year option as well as Tremaine Edmonds, which I don't really even know what that means. Like, can you explain that? <laughs> it means that they exercised their fifth year option on their rookie deal. So, like, I think like it's a thing when like that's just a part of your entry level deal in the NFL. It's like a four year deal with the team option to exercise it for a fifth year. So what if so they like, said no? It give, so like it gives the team an out. Like if they didn't want to re-sign them, like they could be like, "All right, we're over." But like, okay, so why isn't it just like, like why is it like you exercise the fifth option? Why isn't like, are right, you have a fourth year deal? So they're just signing them to a one year deal, pretty much. Oh, they're actually like that's how the contract stuck structured. It's a four year deal, right? And then the team has an out after that fourth year, or they can bring them back for a fifth. It's an option to bring them back for a fifth. So it's a fancy way of saying you have a four-year contract. You have a five. Well, you you have you have a five-year contract. Like I don't get what do you mean? It's a fancy way. That's how the contract's structured. So it's like yeah, the Bills don't have to go shell bills... out a bunch of money this year to go sign Josh Allen to a massive deal. Right. So yeah. So he had his four years, and now they decide that they want to re-sign him. They're not re-signing him. It's the same contract. Like he's getting paid the same, like the same amount on his original contract. Okay, so it's like basically you can. It's like the team has an op- opt out after five after the fourth year. Think about it that yeah, way. Yeah, no, five year okay. deal with the team can opt out after the fourth year, and they they don't have to pay him for that fifth year, or they can exercise it and they pay him for the fifth year. And it's the same money that he made for the first four years. Well, I don't know how it's structured, but it's the same contract that he's been on since he's been in the league. Okay, and that's the same thing happened with admins. Exactly. Okay, so do you think that like midway through this year, like Josh Allen's gonna get a fat extension? I sure hope so. <laughs> so, so what? <laughs> what question so, is that? Well, so what I'm saying is, why did they just extend him this off season? Because why would like I I don't know like I don't I'm not Brandon Bean I don't know what his plan is for how he's restructuring his salary cap. Like maybe it makes more sense to like. If you don't have to pay your quarterback forty or thirty million dollars a year, why would you go do that? Let's go get another year, Josh Allen, at a smaller number. I guess, but I thought that's what, like, what teams do is like, all right, like let's lock this guy up before we, you know, in case something happens or you know, let's lock him up before he goes on a tear this year and we owe him more money. Like that type. I, of thing. I, I think I think something like, will get that's done. Definitely sooner. happened before. I think something will get done sooner than later for sure. Okay, so all right. Well, they exercised the fifth years on <laughs> Allen and Edmonds. Just wanted to point that. That out. was just like 
it's such an idiotic conversation by you. Well, it's like, just a you're fancy come way off, of like, saying no. It's no, it's not because it's like oh, they people love saying that they oh they exercise the fifth year. It's just like okay, it was just a rookie year deal. That's not a rookie year deal anymore. Like they had the option of paying him or not. It's just like any other contract, pretty much. But like that happens all the time where you say I'm not where, like when you say a team's not exercising his fifth year option. Yeah, I think it's. I, I just didn't understand why like people have to get really like fancy with it. I guess it's I, not. That's literally how the contract's structured. I know, but I'm saying that it's not like it's literally four years, and then it's like, all right, do we want to pay this guy or not? That's all it is. <laughs> it's not. It's literally a five-year contract where the team has the option to opt out of it after the fourth year. Exactly. So if they opted out, he wouldn't be on the bills anymore. Exactly. So what? So like, what? What do you? What's so hard to understand about that? Nothing. You explained it great. I I understand it completely now. Before I didn't understand it because it was like it was said in a weird way. That's all I'm saying. All right. Well, you're not a contract guy. Uh, not in football and hockey. I am. I'm a great contract guy in hockey. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you got anything else on you, contracts? You were talking about how you're a great contract guy. Where, like, last episode, I literally had to explain to you why this summer Eichel is probably going to get traded if he gets traded based on how his contract's structured. No, because I didn't know he had the no-move clause <laughs> picking in this year. If I knew that, I wouldn't. I, and I, as soon as you said that, I was like, oh, great point, great point. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I know how it works. I just didn't know that was specific with Eichel. Contract guy. All right, well, you got anything else on the Sabres? Did the Sabres end up winning? Sabres won four to two. Who had the empty netter? Um, who did have that empty netter? I forgot. But uh, Reinhardt had two goals. Nice. All right. Well, he's going to get paid. That's another freaking thing to deal with for the Sabres next year. Anyway, everybody, ho- hope you have a great week. Um, go Bills, go Sabres. And we'll see you next week, I guess. Have a good one. I got to, I got to, I got to make my mind up. I'm gon' grind, gon' shine until my time's up I got money in my mind, is that a crime, yo? Don't wanna go back to the days when I was broke But girl, you my priority And I'll put your heart way over me And money ain't shit if I ain't with you, babe Give it all away just to get you back Can't put a price on what we have They say time is money, but money can't make no time Sometimes it's sunny, but sometimes it don't shine And life is a bitch, but sometimes it's alright So I'ma let go of things I can't control Let it go, let it go, let it go, let it go, let it go. Let it go. Let it go. Let it go. I let it go, if you say that you love me, that shit better show oh God. Don't try and play like I'm slow, cause you been around the block and I know this for sure She asked for seconds, I give her some more And I'm proud of myself cause I used to be po Now I just hustle and grind and stack it to all of my muscles and so oh God. Don't play a sport, but I buy